So what's the heart behind uh, this journey we've called I Am? And it's not about I or you. It's about our great God called I Am. And really my passion for this journey is summed up in, uh, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20. And I wonder if you can throw it up on the screen and hopefully online you'll be able to see it as well. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I want you to say it with me because I want you to memorize it. Are you ready? One, two, three. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now think about that for a moment. Think about it. The name of the Lord. Now name is much more than just a label, Brent or Kate or Scott. Name represents someone's person, their attributes, their character. The name of the Lord. Those who know their God will do great things. To know the name, the who our God truly is. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. Now, when the writers were writing there, they had walls, I mean cities that had walls around them. They had uh, strongholds, castles, citadels, which was like the, the tower right in the middle. And when the city was under attack, the safest place, you run to the citadel, the tower, the fortified place, because that's where your greatest place of safety is. And yet David, who built so many of those citadels and towers and fortified places, David had the revelation to say, no, no, it's the name of the Lord. His name is our fortified tower. Don't you love it? The righteous, the righteous. Now we in Christ, we are the righteous. Those who know and trust in Jesus are the righteousness of God. It says the righteous run, not dawdle or walk or drift. No, no, they run in moments of crisis, moments of worry, moments of doubt, moments of fear, moments of what do I do? They run. I know my God. I know my God. The name of my God is my fortified tower. My reflex action, I run to his name and I'm safe. There's a place of safety that each one of us can access in our lives. Now, right now, you might be in the midst of some kind of emotional storm, financial storm, health storm, any business storm. You might be in the midst of the place where there's worries, fears, doubts inside of you. I want to tell you today the good news of the gospel that in Christ, there's a fortified tower. Do you know his name? And our prayer as we journey over the next couple of weeks together is that you would come to know the name of our God because his name is a fortified tower. And if you know it, you will learn no matter what goes on in your life, I've got a safe place. I can run to the name of my God and there I will be safe. Amen. So that's where we are heading. So what is God's name? I mean, what a question. I mean, you're the God of the universe. What is God's name? Because normally a name differentiates one person from another. I'm Brent and you Scott, so you know who's who. But if there's only one God, one true awesome God, how would he have a name? Because you don't differentiate. He is God. So his name is not to differentiate him from other gods, but rather, Moses says to him in this amazing verse in Exodus 3, 13 and 14, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? I mean, this is Moses who grew up. No, God, what is your name, God? What should I tell them? And in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I've pondered that, and, and I mean, I am. I mean, whatever 
absolute problem, whatever difficulty, whatever help we need, God is, I am the one who can help. When I think about Jesus Christ, did you know that Christ is not Jesus' surname? Okay, Christ is who Jesus is. Christ means the solution, the anointed one. Whatever the problem is, Jesus is the Christ, God's solution to that problem. I am. It's an incredible thing. So that's the word Yahweh. Now, Yahweh was considered so sacred, so holy, that the the Israelites, the Jewish folk, wouldn't even say his name out loud. But we're going to study it. Interestingly enough, now you can understand, because there was such reverence to this name Yahweh. So Jesus comes, and he's preaching in Galilee, the dusty streets, heading for Jerusalem. And at one point, the, the Pharisees come to him, and Jesus says in John 8, verses 58 and 59, it says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Now you can imagine, before Abraham was born, now Abraham, the father of the faith, the one they looked at, they looked at Abraham as the father of the faith, Moses, the mediator of the covenant. And here comes Jesus. And he says, before Abraham was even born, Yahweh, I am. And that's why it says the next verse, at this they picked up stones to stone him. They wanted to stone Jesus for blasphemy. Why? Because he's just called himself equal to God. That's what Jesus did. I am. They picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus is as you read through the Gospels, and in particular the Gospel of John, and so if you're looking for a little bit of homework to do over these next couple of weeks, I know we looked at John not so long ago, but you'll find in the Gospel of John in particular how many times Jesus says, I am. So he takes that name, Yahweh, I am, and then he begins to build on it in different ways. Because I want you to picture the great revelation of God, I am, Jesus the Christ. But under that are these beautiful images that he begins to paint to help us grasp the bigness and significance. Almost like a diamond, you could hold it, it's it's one diamond, but as you look at it from different angles, it sparkles and reflects. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No matter what desert you're in, no matter what hunger, no matter what need you have inside of you, I am the bread of life who can feed you in any desert. He said, I am the living water, the thirsting of your heart, that void inside of you. There's got to be something more. There is. I am the living water. Jesus said, I am the great shepherd. When there's that sense of yearning for belonging, for direction, I want it. Jesus says, I am the great shepherd. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He said, I am the true vine. That's how you get connected. That's how your life is sustained and strengthened. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Do you get the understanding? So Jesus, the great I am, the Christ, and yet all the way through the Gospels, he was trying to unfold this revelation until finally Peter got it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This is not revealed to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. There's blessing. And on this rock, this revelation that you now have, I will build my church. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail it against it. That's why the greatest treasure we have in our lives is our revelation of who our God is. Those who know their God will do great things. So 
We're going to be heading on a journey in the Old Testament, looking at how God, just as Jesus, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. In the Old Testament, God was beginning to unfold His name and began to reveal Himself. The only way we know about who God is because God chose to reveal Himself. Not clever scientists who discover things about God, but rather God chooses to reveal Himself through situations, circumstances, and through prophets, and through people, and in your life and in mine. And what I'm hoping as we journey together is you'll begin to realize some of the things that are happening in your life, it's not the devil bombarding you or COVID restricting you, how God is at work and wants to reveal himself to you. So if you have eyes to see and ears to listen, in the midst of this, God is busy revealing himself to you. Don't waste the moments. So we're going to be looking today at one of the greatest, most powerful Now, Jehovah is where we get the word Lord. They wouldn't say Yahweh, too sacred, so the Jews would say Jehovah. Now, our English versions would normally just write the word Lord. Sometimes you'll even see it in in small capital letters, Lord. But behind that are some Hebrew words which carry even greater depth and understanding. And so I want to focus on one today. It's used 426 times in the Old Testament. Your Bible will sometimes say sovereign Lord or just Lord, but in the Hebrew it says Jehovah Adonai. There it is. So that's where we get that word Danae. I've just pulled out a little bit. These are some of the books we use to help study and go deeper. So that's the Hebrew word. There is Hebrew word 151 from the special dictionary. And uh, the word Danae, that's where we get Adonai from. And it says with Yahweh, we put them together, sovereign, a title of the one true God with a focus on his majesty and authority. God wanted to reveal himself as the sovereign Lord, Jehovah Adonai. He has some examples. Uh, David had this revelation. Man after his own heart. David had this revelation. My God is sovereign. Important because he was the greatest king. And David, the greatest king who'd won all these military battles, actually he had the greatest revelation. No, 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 no. He has the majesty He has the sovereignty. He has the power. And I think God could give David victory after victory after victory because David knew it's not me. I'm not the sovereign. I'm not the king. I don't carry the authority. God does. Jehovah Adonai. He wrote in 2 Samuel 7 verses 22. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There it is. Jehovah Adonai. There is no one like you and there's no God but you as we've heard with our own ears. In Psalm 37, verses 12 and 13, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord, now it says just, but the Lord. But right behind that word Lord is actually the Hebrew words Jehovah Adonai, which we know means the majestic, the sovereign one, the all-powerful one. But it says, but the Lord, Jehovah Adonai, laughs at the wicked. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that our God laughs? An amazing sense of humor. Come on, look what these guys are trying to do. As if they could suppress my people forever. As if they think they will prevail. The God on high laughs. Why? Because he is Jehovah Adonai. He carries all sovereignty, all power, all majesty. But the Lord laughs laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. So I want to take you through three examples. Three examples of three incredible men of God. Men of God who knew with their words about Jehovah Adonai, but the penny hadn't yet dropped. 
And the reason this is important, because many of us are on exactly that same camp. We can sing about, Christ is enough for me. My God can do all things. Way make a miracle. And then the pauper hits the fan and our lives fall apart. Because we actually haven't yet had the penny-dropping moments, Jehovah Adonai, my God, is sovereign. Because when we have that revelation, the righteous run to it, and they are safe. So let's look at Abraham. He was the first one, the father of our faith. He was returning from a mighty conquest. He'd just seen the power of God at work as he won an incredible military victory. And then in Genesis sorry, 15, verses 1 to 6, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. And in verse number two, it says, But, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Now, I want you to see the irony of that statement right now. I want you to see the paradox of that statement right now. Because how can you say to someone who has all authority and power, who can do everything, but... I mean, think about it, it's actually impossible. You can never say, but Lord, because if he's Lord, then his will be done. And so here's Abraham, and he's the one who first proclaims a Jehovah Adonai, but how can he say, but Jehovah Adonai, you haven't given me a son. <laughs> and God had to go to work on his heart. What can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham said, You've given me no children as a servant in my household will be my heir. Verse number four, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. You see, Jehovah Adonai means God sovereign, God my first and foremost. That's what it means. Problem was, that wasn't Abraham's first and foremost. Under pressure, when his life was squeezed, you know what kept coming out? I don't have a son. I don't have an heir. So right here, God gives him this incredible blessing, and he calls him, God, you are my first and foremost, but actually, I don't have a son. Remember when God said, no, you will have a son. And then you know what happened? Abraham and Sarah still couldn't fall pregnant. So next thing, Hagar, the the servant of Sarah, they had a child with Abraham and Ishmael was born. And then God had to say, Abraham, your first and foremost is still not me. You love to say sovereign Lord, but when the pressure's on, it's like, but Lord, I haven't got a son. But Lord, now I'm going to have to make a son. And so then God has to say, I want you to put him on the altar for me. Can you imagine, parents, that ultimate sacrifice? Why was God doing? God was not being cruel. God was saying, I'm still not your first and foremost. Now, here's the thing. I want to be able to release my full covenant favor and blessing upon your life. But there's still an idol in your heart. And I know there's an idol in your heart because every time I squeeze you, but Lord, I haven't got a child. But Lord, we can make a son like this. But eventually he came to that place of laying Isaac on the altar. God said, whoa, stop. Now I can see that truly I am Jehovah Adonai. Now, he says, I will surely pour out all blessing and favor upon you. You know why this convicts me? 
because I love to stand and worship. Lord, you my everything, you my all, you my everything. But under pressure, are there still those little idols that pop out in our heart? Jehovah Adonai means my first and my foremost, sovereign. We can say the words, but does it really line up in our heart? And our God is so wanting to pour out his covenant favor, blessing upon us, but not when we're chasing after idols. Here's another example. What about Moses? In Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 14, God appears to him in this burning bush, this incredible encounter. And in verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. And there, right there, Lord, that word, behind that word, Lord, Jehovah Adonai. He'd known, he'd heard, he'd learnt about Abraham, the sovereign God, the God who's majestic, sovereign over all things. Pardon me, sovereign Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who makes them, who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Do you see that paradox once again? We call, he's calling him Lord Sovereign, my first and foremost. But, but, pardon me, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. Do you see with Moses once again? He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. When the squeeze came, when God came knocking, when there was an opportunity to obey, an opportunity to serve, what jumped out of his heart? He was still not about God. He was about Moses. Pardon me. It's not, I'm, 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 I'm. Focus was on him. And so God had to squeeze him a little bit more to bring him to that place, recognizing what's in his own heart so that he could be broken and surrendered to Jehovah Adonai. God first confronted Moses with the smallness of his revelation. Even Jeremiah. God comes to Jeremiah, before you were formed, I called you. Before I fashioned you in your mother's womb, I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse number six, Jeremiah 1, 6. Alas, sovereign Lord. Do you keep seeing the paradox? How can we say alas, but here's the big idea. When you have a revelation of Jehovah Adonai, there is no but, excuse, fear, timidness. There's, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to take you now to, uh, before we run out of time, what about in the New Testament? We've seen in the Old Testament this unfurling, this uncovering of this name Jehovah Adonai. But now Jesus, he's with his disciples. And remember Jesus' main aim, just like in your life, is not to teach you how to do things, it's to reveal who he is. And Jesus will allow you through circumstances and situations so that we can discover the truth of who Jesus really is. So he's with a bunch of fishermen and they're out on a boat because this is their comfort zone. Because if you're a fisherman, you know the water, you know boats, you know how to handle yourself on the water. And so Jesus, you can take a nap up front in the boat because we've got this. They didn't have this. And you know the story, many of you would have read it many times, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, that day when evening came, 
Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now right there, some of you can say, I know what that feels like. In fact, some of you right now might be right there. I feel like I'm going under. I feel like my boat is getting swamped emotionally, uh, health issue, financial issue. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I love that. Do you want my definition of spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity is when you can learn to sleep through the storms. When everything's raging around you, but you can sleep well because you know the name of the Lord is my strong tower. I run to it and I'm safe. So when things rage around me and I've got doubts, fears, they ought actually, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's my place of safety. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, now they're under pressure. They're under pressure. The toothpaste is being squeezed. What comes out? What's the revelation of Jesus that comes out of their heart? And it says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? That's not even rabbi, which is like an esteemed religious teacher. This is like high school teacher. This is like instructor, instructor, discipler. Don't you care if we drown? And they were not wrong. They were just only a little bit right. Because Jesus is that, but he's way more than that as well. And I want to say to every single one of us, certainly me included, right now, your image of Jesus is way too small. The revelation that you have of who Christ is, is way too small. And you know what reveals the size of your revelation? The storms of life. How you handle the storms of life reveals the size of the revelation that you have of Jesus. And Jesus got up in verse 39. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They knew him. Yes, he can teach the word and, and he's even done some miracles. But now he's revealed himself as the one who has all authority over wind, waves, physical laws. He's the Christ. And it says in verse 41, he's just rebuked them for being afraid. And it says now they were terrified. So Jesus in that moment had took them from being afraid to being absolutely terrified. But one, they were afraid of themselves physically. What's going to happen to me? Secondly, after Jesus calmed the storm, they were terrified. This was now the fear of God. Jesus, who are you? And they said to each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So I want to leave you today just with a couple of thoughts. I don't know how to get a revelation into our hearts except to preach the word, pray that the Holy Spirit would do it. But I do, and sometimes we're going to have to wrestle it through ourselves. We're going to have to, because this was a journey. It wasn't a two plus two equals four. It was a, Jesus, I want to know you as the Christ. Father, I want to know you, Jehovah Adonai. But at the same time, I want to give you some incredible benefits. When this penny drops... This is what happens in our lives. Number one, when you have a revelation, Jehovah Adonai, Jesus, you are the Christ. Number one, you will become the wisest person you've ever met. 
Wisdom is not about gray hair and clever sayings. Wisdom is about making good, godly decisions in every situation. That's what wisdom is. And that's why people, it says, you know, choose leaders from among them, known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. How do you see if someone is wise? You look at the decisions of their lives. You are where you are right now because of the decisions basically in your past have brought you here. And it says this, Job chapter 28, verses 28. It says, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, there it is. That word, Lord, Jehovah Adonai. In other words, the fear of God who is supreme, first and foremost, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. You see, when the penny drops, you begin. You see, we always make our decisions based on what we worship. So if secretly in your heart, you're still worshiping money, then money becomes the source of your wisdom and you make your decisions based on what is first and foremost. If you spend your life worshiping yourself or pleasure or a relationship or whatever it might be, whatever you worship first and foremost, even if you come to church and call on the name of Jesus, but secretly in your heart, whatever you worship most shapes your wisdom most. But when we get to that place where truly, Jehovah Adonai, you are my first and foremost, God, I want to have my knee bowed to you. In that moment, your decision-making process changes. Because now it's not an idol. It's not me, my flesh, what I want, what my money wants, my comfort, convenience. God, what do you want? And in that moment, you'll begin to make great decisions. Sure, there's many. I'm just going to read them. There's wisdom, number one. Number two, there's peace. Number three, there's hope. There's hope. When you have a revelation, let me just read Psalm 71 verse 5. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, Jehovah Adonai, my confidence since my youth. Isn't that beautiful? When we know, but surely God, what, what is the basis of your confidence? Is it economic security? Is it your ability, your skill, your material possessions? Because let me tell you, all of those things will be shaken. But when it is Jehovah Adonai, you are the foundation of my hope. No matter what happens with pandemics or economies or the future of our nation, I can be confident. My confident hope is in the name of the Lord my God. There's hope. There's deliverance. There's commissioning. There's commissioning. I'm not going to read this whole story, but remember Isaiah 6 verses 1 to 8 was when Isaiah, he had a revelation of Jehovah Adonai. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, the Lord, Jehovah Adonai. He had this incredible vision of God most high. And he, was, he went through various things and he says, woe is me. And then eventually he hears this voice that says, who will go? Who shall I send? And what does Isaiah say? Jeremiah, send me. I heard an incredible story about uh, Mother Teresa once. Mother Teresa, as all of you have heard of her, she was a nun in Calcutta, and they lived in this little uh, uh, compound in the middle of Calcutta, and they had their sanctuary where they had their daily services and prayed and, and did all those kind of things. But what broke Mother Teresa's heart was just over the wall of the compound, that's where the street children and homeless and desolate people were dying, right outside their sanctuary on the streets around her. And her heart was broken for the plight of the desperate. And she felt in her heart, God speaking to her, saying, I've called you to minister to the poorest of the poorest of the poor. And she went to the archbishop, 
I don't know who it was, and, and anyway, her boss. And she said, this is it. I need permission to leave the compound. God has called me to minister to the homeless. And apparently the, the bishop said something along the lines of, yo, that's hectic. Okay, maybe he didn't say it like that. But, um, but basically what he said is, don't you wish that God had called you to something a little bit better? I mean, that is like the bottom of the barrel. Don't you wish God had called you to something more elaborate and her response apparently was, but God has called me. But God has got a plan for my life. But God has asked me to do something. It doesn't matter what the task is. God has asked me to do something. You see, her revelation of God was way bigger than whatever the task is. The task in loving kindness is irrelevant compared to who is asking. That's what happened here. Jehovah Adonai, our God, is a God who calls and commissions. There's power. There's prayer. The most times that that name of the Lord, Jehovah Adonai, was used was in prayer. Jehovah Adonai, you are the sovereign God. Even in the New Testament, the apostles prayed, Sovereign Lord, stretch out your hand, perform signs and wonders. When we know the name of our God, we'll trust him for great things. So number one, on our journey, I am. Our God is Jehovah Adonai. God first and foremost. When God is first and foremost in our lives, He can be God through us and to us. Not competing with the idols of self and fear and doubt or money or whatever it is. I want to ask you today, is Jehovah Adonai truly first and foremost in your lives. Take note of what happens in the storms around you even now. God squeezes us not to punish us, but to reveal to us what truly is first and foremost in our lives. Let's see it. Let's repent of it. Let's replace it. Let's bow the knee and we can call on the name of Jehovah Adonai. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. If you don't mind closing your eyes, just right where you are. If you're online, wherever it is, let's just take a moment. Heavenly Father, Jehovah Adonai, we stand in your presence this morning because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, we humbly ask by the power of your Holy Spirit for revelation moments. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and convict our hearts right now. What are we truly worshiping? Are we really worshiping God most high? Or are our words saying one thing, but our hearts doing something else? Holy Spirit, would you come and put your finger on whatever it is in our hearts that stands in the way of you truly being Jehovah Adonai in us, to us, through us? Come, Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts, that even as I'm speaking these words today, the penny would drop. Lights would come on. Oh God, surely you are the God who laughs at his enemies. You are the God who created the stars that we cannot count. You created me. How can I say I can't when you made me? Father, give us revelation, I pray, that we would know you, the one true God, and as we know your name, we would run to you and find refuge 
and strength. Friends, just while our eyes are closed for a moment, you might be here today and your journey of following after God might actually just be beginning. You might have even gone to church many times, but if you are honest, you've never surrendered your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And right now, this is what the Holy Spirit does. So you'll know if, if He's working in your heart right now. Because there's, there's kind of like a nudging. There's something on your heart, like a knocking on the door of your heart. That's the Holy Spirit right now saying, I want you to be reconciled to me. I want you to enter into a relationship with me. And just with our eyes closed right now, is anyone like that? If that knocking, if that nudging is strong enough, then you'll be brave enough just to put up your hand quickly. I'm not going to call you to the front, but it will be good just to, uh, as a step of faith. Is anyone like that? Wonderful. Anyone? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for those responding right now. Father, thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit knocking on the door of their hearts. And if that's you, I would, I would encourage you to pray along these lines right now. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I bow my knee to you. Friends, when Jesus is Lord, that's when he saves us. And Jesus, we bow our knee before you and we say, Jesus Christ, come and be Lord of our lives. Thank you for the power of your blood that forgives us of our sin. We confess our sin to you right now. We turn away. We don't want to be led by sin anymore. We don't want our lives dominated by sin. We want to turn away from sin and follow after the one true God. We surrender our lives to you. Would you give us the power of your Holy Spirit to follow after Jesus in your precious name? And Father, as we go, thank you that we go knowing the gracious hand of our God rests upon us. In Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Two things very quickly. Number one, if God has been nudging your heart, if you prayed that prayer right now, won't you come and chat with me? I'm going to be here on the red carpet. We'd like to help you start that journey. Don't forget, if you need to be discipled, if you've never been discipled well, we've got a bunch of trained disciplers that we want to connect you with so that you can become a discipler to help others as well. You can chat with us here or at the info desk. Otherwise, there is tea and there's coffee. Our offering boxes are at the door. If you want to make use of our tithes and offering boxes, may the Lord bless you. Have an outstanding week. God bless you. Hope to see you at the prayer meeting on Thursday. Amen.